It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the Hive Jive. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, so I'm kind of bummed. Uh-oh. I'm going to be extracting honey tomorrow. <gasps> oh, no. So sorry. Yo. Yeah. So what happened? This is the uh, return of the beeless beekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, you're having a hell of a time over there with bees. I have lost more colonies in the last two years than <laughs> I have lost in the last five years. <laughs> oh no, that's not good. How, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna are you gonna buy more or because or are you gonna swarm trap it or um I don't know. I sent a message to the guy that I got these last two colonies from. Um, he hadn't responded back yet, but I was going to see how early he was going to start doing stuff this year. And then I already have plans to put up swarm traps at the other property because there's a ton of bees out there. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to put up some some additional swarm traps around here and I'm going to start kind of spreading them out. I'm going to put some at the other property, um, maybe at one of my friend's houses <laughs> to start oh, yeah. maximizing where I can potentially acquire bees from. And then I have a sneaking suspicion that there is a feral colony, like, within a block of that other property. I just have this suspicion that there is, and I kind of think I know where it is. So uh -huh. one of these days when it's not uber windy and it's warm, I'm going to go case the joint and see joint. <laughs> if it's there. And right. if it is there, then um, I may... Alert the owner to the fact that there is a bee colony there and oh, it would no. be highly dangerous to yes. the patrons and I would more, be more than happy to remove it for them. <laughs> it just I so see. happens I know a guy. I know. It's like, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. So here's the here's the scenario. Um, we, we obviously know that the bear screwed us on the other colony. We tried right. to reduce it down. Um, we got it repopulated back up to about a nuke size, but ultimately going into winter, there was only about the same amount of bees that there would have been in a package. So you're looking at, you know, like 3000 bees. That's not a lot of bees. Yeah. Um, despite it being in two by lumber and like all closed up and everything, they still did not make it through that first big freeze we had and they all froze and fell to the bottom. So wow. the other colony was still alive and was still doing well. And I would yes, go out there and check. They were throwing, you know, dead bees out the front into the snow and they were dragging them out. So they were doing their housekeeping. Yeah, this cleaning. I was going to try to say keeping and cleaning at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> sweeping it, um, sweeping the dead out. Yeah. So they were cleaning everything out and I went back and checked. I want to say it was last week. I think it was like Friday of last week. And it was warm-ish, um, maybe like 
upper 50s right at maybe 60 61 it was warm enough that they should have come out and been doing like relieving flights and stuff and so dante and i decided to take a walk so i took the pup and we walked off down through the forest and we came up to the hive and he's off exploring and you know doing his own thing and marking right. everything that he can find to let everybody know that's his territory and uh i am like cautiously approaching the hive and i'm also wearing almost like the same thing that i have on right now i had on this this same hat um red shorts red. <laughs> so, red, red. Yeah, just a just a different shirt i think was the only thing and so i'm walking out there and i, I like start kind of i've got the hive setting up on like a small drop off so it's on the ledge and then the ground goes down even further in front of it so i kind of start like easing myself down the face of this ledge so that i can see the front of the hive really well and i'm watching and i'm not seeing anything oh no i don't see anybody like coming and going i don't see anybody right at the entrance and i'm like well that's weird and the last time that i was out there um when I checked it last, there were some bees flying around it that looked like they may be scout bees because mm -hmm. they were flying all around the hive looking for openings and seeds okay. and things. And so I was like, yeah, but at that time there was a guard bee at the entrance and anybody that came up there, he was like, no, nah, go away, buzz off, you know? Mm -hmm. So this time I'm looking, nothing, no activity, no anything going on. So I start getting braver and I climb back up and I actually get on my hands and knees and crawl to the front of the hive. And I've been down and I look because it's got it's got this. This is the other thing. This hive is the one that has the two inch thick foam core insulation all the right. way around it. So, I mean, it is uber insulated. Right. And I crawl up and I look down and I'm looking and there's one dead bee kind of like that had been pulled out the entrance and was laying over to the side, but it was still on the landing board. But there was nobody right there nearby. And so I was like, well, the last time I didn't see activity, I turned on my flashlight and I shined it in the hole. Yeah. And within no time at all, somebody come marching up there going, what is that? What's that light? You know? Yeah. So I did that. Nothing. And I'm Ooh. like shining it. And I keep getting closer and closer to the opening and looking and I don't see anything in there. And I was like, well, heck. So then I go around to the back of the hive and I kind of like reach up underneath it and I smack the bottom of it. And then I brace myself and I listen. Nothing. Nobody comes out. No noise. And I was like, man. So then I like literally just took my fist and slammed it on the top of the hive. Right. Still nothing. I'm like, okay. So I unratchet it and I take just the lid off so that I don't have to do any of the insulation itself. Mm -hmm. Get down into the inner cover, crack the inner cover. And as soon as I do, six bees immediately run up to the top of the, like of two frames. And they're like, like, they had Whoa. that stance, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, okay. So, and I don't have a suit or anything, you know, right, I've been right, like right. banging on it. So I don't want to get stung. So I'm like, okay. So I put the inner cover back on, put the lid on it, ratchet it back down. And I'm like, okay, we're good. Well, today it got to 74 degrees mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm going to walk back down there and take a look. So I go down and I look and there's bees all around it again, yeah. scout bees, <laughs> looking, you know, trying to figure out how to get in. And I look at the entrance and there's one lowly guard bead, guard bee, <laughs> bead, <laughs> one lowly guard bee that is at the entrance and you know it's it's trying to like fend people off and then when one lands it like dog piles it and they flip off the front of the hive onto the ground and they're rolling around on the ground and i'm like all right i'm gonna go ahead and open it up and see what's going on so i went and got my suit got the smoker got all suited up go back down there take the ratchet off take the top off um had to use my hive tool to get up inside and separate the insulation where the insulation was like hanging on right uh, and 
peel that up off the top and I go ahead and I open it up. And when I open up the top and I'm looking, there's a couple of bees that immediately escape and run away. And I'm like, well, that's not good because that, you know, they yeah. clearly aren't trying to defend nothing. So they don't live here. And I look down through the top box, which is all solid capped honey. The whole box is still solid capped honey. So I've got a whole medium full of capped honey. And it's in a uh, naturally drawn comb inside the frames because there was no foundation there. So I went ahead and took that box off, set it aside, and I start looking at the brood box. The brood box still has honey on every frame. They've got, say, easily half of the center of the frame is open, and then a quarter of it is pollen, and the other quarter is either capped food stores or open nectar. Mm -hmm. And they've got open nectar in every single frame in that bottom box in some form or fashion that they've been bringing in. But there's also starting to become the aroma of fermentation, which I'm right. assuming is also the open nectar. And I'm like, hmm. So I go through and I start looking through the frames and I find a little bitty circle. Yeah, that's no bigger than half the size of a baseball, but we're talking one layer of bees. And the queen is there and all the bees in total like 35 that's it okay you want me to play the the my favorite facebook game <laughs> sure <laughs> you do my count what was your my count <laughs> so okay so looking through the colony on the two frames there was 35 bees and the queen uh -huh. and adjacent to it on the opposite side right there from the other frame there was another little small cluster of just bees and they right. they were where they were back to back before i pulled everything apart there were four capped cells. There was one cell where the, the bee had started to emerge and then died. Mm. And its head was sticking out and its tongue was sticking out, but it never made it out of the actual cell itself. So I went ahead and I used the hive tool and mm. I cut open the cells that were still capped. They mm. were still larvae and they were still alive. Oh, poor babies. But there was only like four or five. That was it. Just four or five random little cap cells there. And so I was like, well, I wonder. So I went ahead, like I said, tore it open and it's still a larva. The larva is still facing up. Hadn't even started the pupation to start looking like a bee or anything yet. So then I go ahead and I use the, the curve hook of the hive tool because I've got I've, my, my hive tool. I've got a J hook hive tool that's more like a weapon. It Ooh. comes to a very sharp point. It doesn't have this blunt rounded. Okay. <laughs> so I use it and I fish out the larva and I check the larva. No mites. And I look down inside the cell. I collapse the walls of the cell. No mites. I look at the other bees that are in there because, again, as we discussed in one of the other episodes, if there is no brood for the mites to hide right. under the cappings, the only All place the for them to be there. is on the bees. Right. And when you've only got 35 bees, there's not a lot to look through to see if you see mites. There were no mites on the bees. Oh, my wow. queen looked very skinny and very small. Almost like I would have almost suspected she was a virgin queen. Uh -huh. But her abdomen was longer than the virgins usually are, but she was very skinny and she was right there. And I was like, okay, but there's, there's no sign of current laying. There's no eggs. But at some point recently though, within the last 10 to 15 days, uh -huh. there had been some sort of egg production because they had the capped brood in there. Other thing that I found very bizarre, there's not a single dead bee in the bottom of that hive. So, mm. As the hive was shrinking, they were still cleaning and they were still doing their job and they were throwing out or carrying off any of the dead bees. So right. it wasn't a winter chill and freeze because there wasn't a massive pile of bees in front of it. 
there's not a massive pile in the bottom of the hive. And right. the last time I looked at the hive when we were going into winter, it was fully loaded. So I went from a fully loaded hive down to 35 bees and a queen in a couple of months. Right. And they've got tons of food. They were uber insulated and I don't see any mites in there. The only thing left is honestly kind of some of the similarities between like colony collapse disorder. Right. Because yeah. the foragers are leaving and then they're never coming back. And so it's just shrink, 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 shrink until you're down to just this, you know, few bees and a queen. So it was really weird. <laughs> I think that there's been quite a bit of that around from what I've uh, uh, been able to see. And and by the way, I was kidding. The, the, did you do well, it? I, I knew you were, but right. I was actually going to tell you, I did look just out of curiosity because right. I was like, well, you know, did they have a huge population? No. Yeah. So um, because in those circumstances, if it was mites, you would have expected to see them on the adults and a lot of them trying to get under the capping of the brood too, right? right? So yeah. that's definitely not mites is is uh, what I would say. But that's funny how people is the first question they ask you. So there's no like deep thinking about other potential um reasons there's no questions asked that's the first line of hey did you do a mic count yeah. even the the beekeeping supplies do that uh but so anyway that's interesting because yeah i've heard that's happening and i've seen a couple of hours do that as well and it doesn't make any sense there's no rhyme or reason to that so i, I i'm wondering if there's some trend something that's starting to happen that might be a combination of um change in weather excuse me and pesticides in the environment and lack of forage or something but you said they had plenty of food oh my god yeah like um, like as of recently they had enough of a forage forest that they were able to go through and populate that colony with tons of open nectar in the bottom deep frames right. so and that nectar though was starting to ferment because you could smell that that fermented it's going bad, sour, almost right. alcohol smell. And I double checked the top capped honey to make sure it wasn't coming from that box. And it's not. It was coming from those open frames. So they had brought in nectar. They might have started to dehydrate it, but it was still way too much moisture. And it started right. that fermentation process. But the only thing that I didn't account for would be a four-legged furry animal, such as maybe a skunk. But I haven't seen or smelled any skunks. Yeah, something that could have come up there and been pestering it at night. But I also didn't see any damage on the foam. Because if a skunk was scratching at it, it would yeah. have scratched the foam up. Oh, you can so, find some paw prints or some scat or something. Yeah, yeah and there, yeah. Was, there was nothing around there. The only thing that I did see is that another colony of ants had decided to take up shop right underneath the hive. And they luckily were not able to get into the hive because of the defiant ant stand with the trays oh, and the oil yeah, underneath yeah, yeah. there. But they were there. They were like right beside one of the legs. They had an entrance. They were coming and going. And I was like, seriously? Like, I thought I got rid of all you guys last year. <laughs> I know. That's, yeah, you're having a tough time over there. It is. Uh, it is rough. It's rough. Right. It is rough. And it's sad to see those, uh, those bees come down to like the size of an orange or even smaller sometimes. Um, you're, you kind of kind of tell that they couldn't keep up with the, the cold. So you might have all the insulation and the thermal mass that you want, but if you don't have the mass of bees, yeah, they can't generate heat. Warm, they can't generate that heat. They can't yeah. keep warm. So that that's probably what happened. 
Well, before, but, but there was no frozen dead bees at the bottom, though. Usually when they do that, if you have a mass die off from the cold, they just fall straight down. You still got bees with their heads in the cells. Uh, that wasn't the case. Like, well, but that's because they have very few left kind of a thing, right? Well, right. But there there still was no dead bees with their heads in the cells uh, and there was no dead bees in the uh, bottom. So if they were dying off from the cold, it was happening slowly enough that the the regular undertaker bees and cleaning bees were able to clean them out. So, because usually, like the the hive down here that was in the top bar, when they froze, it was literally just one big pile yeah. straight down below the brood's nest. You yeah. know, so yeah, I've seen that. I'm sorry, that's no fun. Yeah, it sucks. Um, I was a little bit torn too because I do have a queen, and you know, thirty some yeah, bees. That's, that's... And I was I was trying to decide. I was like, what do I do? Because in Austin, which granted, completely different climate, but in Austin, at one point in time, I did have my favoriteest queen ever, who I raised many, many, many babies off of, and I had her for five years. And when it finally came time to say, all right, you can no longer keep up with a full colony, you know, they're going to murder you or, or something's going to happen, because I, I kept doing splits, and I would put her into the split, and I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And then, ultimately, I took her. And I cut some comb and I made the smallest, cutest mini top bar hive Ooh. where it was itty bitty. And I hung the combs from it and they had three comb and then they had three empty bars. And this these were not full size, legit top bars. OK, we're talking take the whole thing and shrink it. <laughs> it was yeah. like the size of a shoebox, maybe. And then you add the Aww. angles to it, you know, Um <laughs> I had took a bar and I put a roll of uh, like a sugar fondant on one roll. And then I had a thing of crystallized honey that I put into a small little feeder that I could stick down on the other end. That was it. They had, they had the thing of fondant. They had, I had given them originally a roll of pollen too, but then the high beetles were getting in there and I was like, Oh, that's gotta go. Yeah, so yeah. took that out. But I managed to get that stupid tiny little colony to live through winter she actually oh, wow. raised enough bees that she filled up that entire box and wow. she had to graduate back to a, a, like a regular top bar hive instead of those little itty bitty box. So wow. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, I've taken the insulation off and I took the top box off. So now the insulation doesn't fit because it was designed to have a deep and a medium when I cut it. And there's not enough bees in here to guard it. There was hive beetles galore and there, <laughs> they were everywhere and the bees were like, just over it they weren't even trying to like chase them usually when you pull them up and the light hits them the bees will actively go and try to chase away the high beetles or grab them and pull them no they were just like yeah whatever so i was trying to decide what to do and i was like well i don't have that anymore i could attempt to make one but i don't have any raw comb that i can use to cut that would be empty that i could hang inside of a top bar i don't have the resources that i used to have when i had all these extra hives at my disposal. Isn't that, oh my gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I was sitting there trying to decide, well, do I try to save her and try to save this tiny little handful of bees and put them in some sort of small little container where they'd maybe just have like one comb. But I, I was like, I don't know. Even if I shrink them down to the size of a nuke and give them four comb, four frames, they're still going to get overran with hive beetles and that's going to cause enough problem that they're going to say, screw it. So at the moment, I have just left them to their fate and I put it back together, but I took the top frame, the top box of frames and I'm going to extract those tomorrow and 
what is left is going to be robbed out by everybody else who's trying to get in because I think the last guard bee was the one that flew off at the end when he dogpiled the other bee. So <laughs> she, <laughs> when she dogpiled the other bee. Yeah, um, the guard kind of like for their own people. Yeah, <laughs> it was the last one and it, it did it, you know, it was almost like a kamikaze one for all and all for one. She's like, ah, and jumped out and grabbed the bee in midair and down they went. And I don't think she came back up. <laughs> yeah, or maybe that was a, a colony scout that was finding the, the treasure and it's like, okay, you're not touching. Nobody else comes in there and I'm, until my sisters come in. Kind of I, I don't know. I mean, it could have been. I've never seen them defend against something for unless they actually live there. But that could be true. Um, oh. I don't know. But I'm also like that colony. I left that colony down there whenever. So last year when they died because of the ants and the freezing, uh -huh. I left them down there and I left just the deep box and empty comb in it. And it sat there from, well, basically January through July june january through june and not a single colony moved into it and it was a it was an eight frame deep box with full drawn comb in it perfect ready for somebody to set up and even when we had the the swarm coming around here and like looking and we had the scout bees everywhere right. it didn't choose to move into that colony wherever it chose to went god i cannot talk wherever it chose to go i do not know <laughs> now i'm just gonna right. rhyme <laughs> i mean you might as well <laughs> might as well we speak pretty sometimes. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know, but that like it didn't attract anybody where it was at. So I may end up, I guess, maybe moving it. And if I do get some nukes from that other guy again, you know, put them in there, but maybe move it to a different location. I don't I don't know. Um, it's really hard to say what to do with it at this point. <laughs> yeah. Might. If, yeah. So sorry, it's never fun, especially when it's your last one. Um, I know. But you had no choice, right? Because you you were out of the season and you were down to one after what everything that happened. So, yeah. hey, I wanted to tell you, you know, the conversions with the easy nukes, the plastic corrugated stuff, uh, like you were worried about having them over winter and so putting them in wood and thermal mass. And I'm a firm believer in that. But I will tell you, there was one conversion that I did that didn't have um, straps on and I didn't get to go and put it in a wooden box. And actually what happened is that the easy box separated. There was maybe like two inches. So they had the entire comb exposed that like that, that cutout is wide open. So that colony was in there and it was only four frames, by the way. And uh, it was struggling in the fall and they overwintered that way through two winter storms. <laughs> so I, I, I will definitely agree with the fact that it's not the cold that kills the bees. Yeah. It doesn't help, but that's not the cold that does kill, kill the bees when, when they've got what it takes. If they have uh, enough population to generate the thermal on that. And yeah. it also tells you that, you know, those easy nukes, that's fine. It, it can overwinter in them. So, yeah. Yeah, but, I don't I don't know. I know they're not bear-proof. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me i would not recommend it this was a fluke excuse me i'm gonna put myself on mute <laughs> <laughs> no i i uh i've i've overwintered them before like i used to overwinter well they were in wooden boxes but the just the standard three-quarter inch wooden box nukes i did that down in in texas 
I also did top bar nukes, which was also made out of the three quarter inch wood. I overwintered in that. Um, trying to think, I don't think I've ever left any in the corrugated plastic over winter or the, the molded plastic that I hate. I haven't ever left it. I cannot stand that, that one. I cannot stand. It's just, yeah. you know, it's so impractical and unfit to keep bees in the cold or in the heat. It's leaking from everywhere yep. and, uh, it overheats and it's just, you can't convert it. It's just, I can't, I can't, I can't, I just can't, I can't, I just can't. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I've got uh, lots of uh, lots of potential ideas on places to put swarm traps, and I'm gonna have to come up with some new ideas on where to pot potentially put hives. I also have to worry about the you know, come midsummer, the peak of summer. I've got to start worrying about bears coming through. Yeah. Um, and and maybe even earlier than that, because they are they see them on the north side of town more frequently than we do on the south side of town. And it's not that far of a distance. You know, bear can travel many, many, many miles for its territory. Right. So uh, but it's I, I don't know. It's just going to be like it's at the moment. It's I'm just very frustrated. <laughs> I bet you are. I mean, it's very disappointing and it's just kind of a, a, a bummer. But I will tell you i mean you have the advantage now of being able to use some of those resources for swamp trap you have the advantage of moving the hives to wherever you want to without having to worry about re you know orientation you don't have to you can set up a fence wherever you want you can do all kinds of things now yeah that's true you try to get it all done the fence is probably not going to happen um mainly because the, i've got i've got deterrence that i can do around like one or two hives here or there uh, it would just be absolutely ridiculously expensive to try to put a fence oh, yeah. up at the moment. Uh, I was looking at that the other day when I was in, I think it was in a tractor supply store and I just happened to go by and see, Oh, it's like, Oh, they got the solar thing and they got the battery and they got the fence. And I looked at it and I was like, Oh my God, the fence costs as much as the battery. I was like, Holy crap. <laughs> you might have more chance online because I've seen some interesting prices lately over there. Uh, I will say though, that the, it's the same thing in the big box stores. You, you go for chicken wire and it's like costing you your firstborn, right? Yeah. So um, I guess with the eggs being, you know, um, an issue, then people went into chicken keeping. Is that a word? Chicken I keeping? guess. I don't. Yeah, maybe so. Um, so I, I, I'm going to say this here real quick. Uh, for anybody who's listening to this, just for the sake of listening to things about bees, you can stop now. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, so on your note about chicken keeping, uh, I'm going to change subjects here real quick. So on chicken keeping, the weird thing here lately, there have been a lot. Okay, so there's always there's always a lot of uh, interesting people online and a lot of interesting things that you can see online. And, and as I've always said, Facebook's the devil. Don't believe anything you see on there. Don't believe yeah. TikTok, unfortunately, is becoming very much that way as well. Um, but we've had some listeners send us in some little clips of things that they have seen that's chicken related because I know that I'm getting into the chicken stuff. So uh, people out there have lost their freaking minds and they think that there's this massive conspiracy as to why there's a shortage of eggs. I know. It goes from the eggs that you buy in the store aren't real. Uh, they're synthetic or artificial. And like one guy was cooking the eggs and he swore to God that there was plastic in them and like how it was oh peeling off gosh. the sheets. 
another lady was trying to claim that this was proof that the eggs weren't real because of how she hard boiled them and they had little divots. And then there was uh, somebody, <laughs> this person clearly didn't know what the hell they were talking about. There was somebody out there that was going through the grocery store and showing all of the white eggs and telling everybody eggs are not naturally white. This what? is why eggs are brown, not white. This is why you know that they're fake. And then they've been feeding us these fake eggs for all these years. And uh, the comment to that was like, clearly you've never been to a farm, you know, and then there's a picture of like every color of egg under the rainbow. Um, and then the last one, which is interesting in like the last note, there's another conspiracy out there that the feed manufacturers have started yes, putting things into the, the feed to make the chickens sterile so they won't lay eggs. I was like, okay, well, I buy my feed in bulk from a feed store. Um, it's not like Purina or anything like that. It's a local here in Northwest Arkansas feed store, mom and pop owned. They've got multiple locations around here in Missouri. And I buy my feed from them. I also make my own scratch. I start off with their base scratch, which is like the chicken, uh, or chicken, <laughs> it's chicken scratch. It doesn't have chicken in it. It is corn and usually like maize or milo and maybe a little bit of wheat and maybe one other thing in there. That's it. It's very minimal. And I take that and I add in all these other high protein, nutritious seeds and grains and nuts and things in it and mix it all up. And they get that every other day. They get their food every day, but I give them a higher protein food than the, the recommended normal. And I get a dozen eggs a day in the middle of winter and I've only got 30 chickens. Okay. So even reducing down the amount of, well, you know, it's wintertime. They're not all laying right. They're not all laying. If you take out the three roosters, I'm still almost not quite, but almost at 50% of my flock is laying in the dead of yeah. winter. And they've done that all winter long. It so, never, never stopped completely when I had the chickens either. Yeah. yeah. So, so if there is something in the feed, it's not working here. <laughs> yeah, right. right. So, I don't but, yeah. know. I just wanted to mention that real quick. When you, when you said that, I was like, oh my God, there is some really crazy crap out there. <laughs> Well, and it's kind of interesting that it's uh, bleeding into all kinds of fields, right? Um, we've seen it, especially during the, 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 I think there's a little psychosis with the um, trauma that we've had with, the you know, yeah, and, and potentially some of the weather events that have happened. And it's just kind of like a, a fear that's all uh, encompassing and it's kind of feeding our psyche and just making us believe things that are probably pretty crazy yeah. uh and and i think there's a little bit of that all like they're drinking the cool it everybody's kind of drinking the in the water supply oh my god guys oh my gosh, <laughs> oh my gosh! We, we're starting one we have our own conspiracy theory that's what it is if you drink the water you will suddenly believe everything is a conspiracy and everybody's out to get That's you. right. Well, you know, I've already been branded as a conspiracy theorist. That's right. That is right. Well, see, this is this is appropriate. Um, <laughs> no, I like, I love a good conspiracy theory. And I definitely think that there are some of them that are probably 100% true because <laughs> the world is that screwed up and so are the governments right. and everything else. But at the same time, not everything has to be a conspiracy. Sometimes oh. shit happens. <laughs> and and this year that shit was called the bird flu at the wrong time and in mass quantities. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with the bees, right? Let's go. Yep. If we if we go back to the bees, it's the same thing with that and, and all the, uh, oh, well, 
you know, my my hives died, so there must be something like, you know, really evil going oh, on. That's what it was. The bees needed protein and there's no flowers blooming, so they went and they stole the, protein the, from the dust of the chicken feed That's and then right. it infected the queen and the queen stopped laying and the colony you shrank down found, to nothing. Yeah, I found the root of the new CCD. I you have. Know, like, yep, yeah, we've uncovered it. Chicken something. <laughs> Now we should tell everyone <laughs> that's what it is. Chicken get in. Chicken, the chickens have killed my bees. <laughs> the chicken feed suppliers have killed my bees. <laughs> God, can it have a field day with that? Oh, yeah. Um, man. Yeah. Anyhow, that's all. That's all I got for today. It's uh, it's just a ho-hum, womp-womp day. Well, so. it's such a letdown to lose your bees. Well, but I hope that you get some more because the season's coming. It's here already. I I had my first opportunity of getting a colony to start at the beginning of the year instead of last year, getting it like when the season was basically over and praying to God they could build up. So Here we have swarm seasons upon us. So I just made a split today. So that was really cool because um, somebody wanted to swap me out a consultation for a nuke taken out of their colony. So they had that gigantic two deep and Langstroth bummer but uh i get to actually put it in some of my conversions so that's not that bad i'm not desperate about that anymore and so i go in and that's a gigantic pack to the gills italian colony that was actually getting very defensive and very mean because it was so big and turns out they already had queen cups and at least one of them that i saw had an egg in it so it was time february (laughs) February. And so I took a, a five frame nuke and he was fine with it. You know, he wanted it to be pared down way down. And I shook a bunch of the, so I took some uh, capped brood so that it wouldn't explode on him back again immediately after I left and um, shook bees in there. Didn't even look for the queen. Uh, I've got plenty of opportunities to make queens. I'm hoping she's in the box, but it was kind of confusing. So it was kind of a walkaway split. And it's yeah. just kind of insane that that colony was ready to swarm, basically. There were drones that had emerged. There were drone cells. <laughs> there were all kinds of goodies in there. So if you are in the central Texas area, put up your swarm traps. Yeah, um, swarm traps out. There was it, actually uh, one of our listeners had written in and asked when they should start doing that. And I was like, now. Um, if you're down in central Texas, absolutely. You need to have them out now. And if you don't get them out as soon as possible, if you are further up, this individual was up closer to St. Louis, Missouri. And I was like, you know, honestly, our swarm season's not going to really start in, in legit terms until probably May. Um, but the sooner you get them out, the sooner the scalpies can have a chance to look them at and, you know, check them out. And then whenever it's time, they're going to already have ideas on where to go, but to that same token, we were just checking the three-month hypothetical long-range forecast. It pretty much looks like, even for us, spring is basically here. It's only going to continue to get warmer. We've only got maybe two potential more chances for snow, and it's not even going to be anything miraculous. There's mm-hmm. only two more times the temperature, in theory, gets down below freezing, and there's like nine rain chances in the next three months. And again, this is an extended, like anything can change. Weather systems can throw that off. But as it stands right now, kind of looks like winter's over. Um, 
which is awesome because you know that that puts us closer to like what I'm used to in Texas. But at the same time, it's just like <laughs> well, at least at least you don't have to worry about you know winter spell and cold spell and and your bees. Yeah, there's there's yep. that. There won't be like a long, long, hard freeze from what it looked like. It might get down to like 36 or 32 and then come back up. So who knows? But I don't have any bees to worry about at the moment. We uh, we have a potential tornado uh, coming in on this week, so we'll see. There's a severe alert, weather alert, and we might have we might see some tornadoes. So every time you see that, you're like thinking, "My bees, yeah. they're gonna fly away." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fly away like Wizard of Oz. Right. So. Um, we had a weird one come through just this last week. It was actually probably just a couple days ago it was bizarre because it was moving almost straight east it came across the state of oklahoma it had there was storm damage reported clear out into new mexico all the way across through oklahoma yeah. parts of colorado and then over straight across through arkansas and it was moving at times over 100 mile an hour <gasps> like it was wow. That's so, big, yeah. yeah, it was it was moving and it had straight line winds that went anywhere from 50 to 100 miles per hour with it. So there was lots of damage. There was not necessarily any reports of tornadoes, but it was just like shearing off things as it went. It was more like a hurricane, wow. one direction, gale force wind kind of thing. So that was crazy. Um, it only tore up a tarp here and oh, it we got a bunch of limbs like small limbs on the roof that i need to get up there and get off but nothing bad damage and there's there was one massive dead limb that is hanging like a pendulum over the top of the chicken run oh no and i just keep waiting on it to fall now that the the actual wire roof is up i just wait i'm waiting on it to fall and like crush it um and it didn't come loose <laughs> i thought if any time it was gonna it was gonna do it during that storm and it did not come loose wow it's kind of like a, a Damocles sword above it your is, head. It is. It is. And I have to walk under it when I go under there to get from one coop to the next. That would make me nervous. Yeah. I keep trying to figure out. I need I need some gadgets like Batman has where I can like <laughs> shoot a thing up there and wrap around it and hook on and then just yank right. it so that it comes off and off over the top of the coop. Lasso it. Lasso Texas it. Style. Lasso uh, it. Yeah, there you uh, go. That wasn't really a lassoing. <laughs> <laughs> so but that that's uh that's all i got that's it <laughs> so so that you know our listeners know we all lose beehives and we all go through the heartache and we feel for you when that happens and just the same way that i feel for john for that last one that he had but it doesn't mean that you give up right you can just kind of resume on a different path and uh, reset and change hive styles if you want, change locations, um, change strands of bees. There's all kinds of things that you can do afresh and not everything's lost because you might have resources and you definitely have extra knowledge now, right? Yeah, so. yeah that is true. Um, two years in a row, I have lost 100% of my colonies, two colonies each time. Yeah. <laughs> the first time, the first one didn't really, really survive the the, the trip up here. The second one did okay and then, you know, limped out about the middle of winter due to the the freezes after the an attacks and everything. And uh, then this year was basically a repeat. 
Started off with two. The bear tried to take it down to one. We managed to gimp it back up to two. And then uh, the second one died. Then we just had one. So we were back to O1B colony. You're our only hope. Oh it, it, it's, it's done. It's gone. So well, you that, had was the, that was the other thought, though, about like, did I want to try to save her and put her in some sort of tiny little colony? There was a, the other little devil on my shoulder was like, no, screw that. Like, look at what her genetics accomplished this year based right, on whatever right. was going on do you really want to save her so she can do it again next year um, no <laughs> so but oh well it is what it is now to try to catch swarms that's fun though and we talked about that many times so i, I don't think we need to get back into it but you you've got high trees you've got probably water not too far right yep. so that should be you know points in your favor uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> we shall see. I'll go put one down by the lake that's down at the bottom of the valley. Uh, I've got, you know, a couple here at the house. I'm going to go put one at the other property, one over at the yeah. friend's house. Like, I will that's, find places for them. That's what we're doing with the apprentices this uh, Saturday. We're going to take them around. We made the uh, cheap uh, version of swarm traps, the cheap and easy, fast. Buckets. Yeah, the five-gallon buckets with the slum gum inside, drill a hole at the bottom, hang them up you know, with a strap or whatever and wait. And, you know, I posted that on beekeeping basics. I think it was on Facebook and uh, a few men were like, well, that that's not the way to, you know, that's going to require a cutout and all that stuff. So a couple of things, if you remove them early enough, you don't have to do a cutout. And second, at some point, what kind of a beekeeper are you? If you can't do a tiny little simple cutout by, you know, you just remove the bucket and it's sitting there and you can just cut through it. Right. You, yeah. you it's not and much. If you're doing, if you're doing top bars, it's plug and play. You just Absolutely. cut it off the lid and you hook it onto one of the rescue bars and stick it Absolutely. in your hive. <laughs> My favorite was one of our um, uh, common acquaintances chimed in and said, Oh yeah, that's not smart. You know, the smart way to do this is use Langstroth uh, boxes and just kind of hang them with swarm traps. Well, it doesn't take into account the fact that not everybody has access to that. Not everybody has necessarily uh, the uh, ability to build swarm traps uh, with wood. Um, and um, there's, um, you know, that they might not have the financial means to have all that equipment either. Right. And so the bucket is perfect for that. It's cheap. It's easy. It's accessible to everybody. And it's more inclusive from that standpoint. Yes, you might have to do a little cutout. Um, but if you catch it before they build too much comb, you just pop them in. There's nothing easier than that. So I and what was funny, John, is that that person had posted not too long ago about uh, what was it? The poor man's swarm trap where you use a, um, you know, those black plastic planter pots yeah, uh, that you get from the nurseries, yeah. you know, maybe like a, a big one and uh, you put it upside down with the holes at the top. That's it. Right. And so when that's his idea, that's okay. okay. But my concept and it's similar concept. It's not smart. Right. right. So. Well, and, and on, in his though, the only way really to get it out of there is going to be a true is, all the way through cutout, or you're going to have to just destroy the pot and cut it and open it. Whereas right. on yours, you take the lid off and it's almost like it's opening exposed. up a water meter where it's they've exposed. attached it to the lid and you just pick yeah. it straight up. There it is. You flip it over, you cut it, you're good to go. 
Yeah, and again, not everybody keeps Langstroth. You don't, you know, if you want to populate your Talbar hive, you can't use those frames. No, yeah, using a Lang that that was one of the reasons why, at least with the top bar that I've got now, I do have if I catch a swarm in something with Langstroth, I can just put them in there in the the nuke side and let them expand over. Uh, but it's like it, it it doesn't matter if you don't have that equipment. Either you don't have excess equipment because maybe you've only got one hive. Exactly. And you don't want to, you know, break it up and, and put it out there for swarm traps and then not have anything to have your bees in. Right. And maybe you're doing top bars. And yeah, you might have a Langstroth box, but that does you no good <laughs> to put it into a Langstroth on frames and then try to put it, it into your top bar. What, a conversion? Yeah, somebody yeah. asked me if they could do that. Uh, I think that um, basically the frames are what I um, kind of tend to shy away from because whether it's a Lance, whether it's a uh, Langstroth, any kind of frames, you have to rely on the supply chain. You have to rely on somebody else for the most part to make those for you because they're really precise and, and difficult to, to do to make for yourself, right? So you're really dependent on pricing and availability. And um and I think that it's kind of constraining a little bit the, the bees and the vibrations on the comb, but uh, it has some advantages, especially for commercial uh, practices, don't get me wrong. But I'm I'm all moving towards frameless, frameless horizontal. To me, is the key to simplicity. It's so versatile, right? You you can put the the swarms in there. You can uh, transfer to a nut. I mean, it's like really super easy as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it it gives you the most options because you can cut that comb into whatever shape or yeah. size you need to and put it into whatever you need to, and then you're good to go. Whereas if you've got any type of foundation, even if it's wire. That's going to screw with you being able to go through and and cut it into the shapes that you need right. without screwing it up. So, yeah, it's that is definitely the truest thing to a plug and play because you can make it adaptable to whatever you right. need versus the other way around. So I would agree with that. And and everybody does it whatever way they prefer. I'm not saying you need to do it that way. I'm just saying to me that's the easiest way. Uh, I've heard um, beekeepers in the local area that are like, well, we're, we're, we want to, we're not telling anybody how to do uh, beekeeping. We don't want to push them towards, you know, something um, or another, but they are, they're pushing them towards Langstroth. Everybody's pushing towards Langstroth. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're even that whole, Oh, that's bad. That's a bad idea. Or that's stupid. Or that's the wrong way. Those are things that really should be left out of any type of educational aspect of beekeeping anyway, because what you're doing is you're giving your personal opinion. Yeah. And it comes back to the whole beekeeping is beekeeping. As long as you understand the fundamentals of it, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter the container and contraptions and everything else, what tools you choose to use and don't use. It's another way, <laughs> and it's another way to do things. There's so many different ways, um, and and then there's not. That's the point. There's not just one way to do things. Right. And um, yeah. And especially anybody who's ever done a removal, especially like the small container type removals. Obviously, the bees move into those, and right. you can do a removal from it at your own leisure and own time. Because the beautiful thing about a small one is, wrap the sucker up and take it home. <laughs> like, that's, that's right. And then and when you I, get to it then do it, you know, whatever. But I, I think it's also, it behooves every single one of us 
to become better beekeepers, to learn those skills. They're not that difficult when it's with a bucket like that. It's, it's super simple to do. Uh, even with a, a Langstroth box that doesn't have frames in it, and the bees attached to the ceiling, uh, yeah, you flip that hive upside down, you remove you the bottom the board. Comb out and do something and with it. You, you remove the box and then you start cutting and, and hanging that comb. It's not, it's, it's actually a great skill to have. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's, it's good to learn how to work with it. It makes you more mindful of what you're doing, slow and cautious, makes understand you more observant, look for the better. queen, understand which ones you need to keep and not keep. Like it, it is very, very, very valuable to have right. that type of information. That and queen rearing, all backyard beekeepers should do both. So there you go. Maybe some future topics that we will delve more into yeah. in depth on another episode. So we shall see. Um, until then, everybody, hopefully your colonies are still alive yeah. and you're not a B-list beekeeper because that's my new title, apparently, for the last two yes. years. <laughs> so intermittently on and off for the last two years, the B-list beekeeper. Uh, the frameless drive um, is the B-list beekeeper. The B-list beekeeper. They're not stingless. Well, they are because they're not there. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow everybody thank you for tuning in and we look forward to talking to you again next week but until always be good and be mindful oh, bye everybody bye guys this hive jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you and we appreciate your support to all our hive jive junkies out there you truly are the bee's knees <laughs> <laughs>